180 million. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizic. I am Tony Vizic, and that is the name of the show, Living on a Thin Line. And we come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on three platforms, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, YouTube on the Comedy Schools channel, and on Facebook Live on my personal page, Tony Vizic. How are you? It is Tuesday in America. It is Tuesday in America, and we've made it this far. And I'm feeling good about that. And I hope you are, too. Um, I got some fun stuff for you today. Uh, I've got uh, some fun trinkets to share with you. Some baubles, some things to show you. I've also got uh, to, uh, two great pieces of music to uh, recommend to you. Uh, both of which you probably, um, if you're of a certain age, are aware of, but maybe have kind of forgotten about or haven't gone deep track on. And, and that is the, um, the issue. It is the issue. A lot of times for a lot of us, uh, for people who uh, listen to rock during the classic rock era, is that we remember their uh, big hits because they're played constantly on the radio, but it's the deeper cut, the third or fourth cut of the album sometimes. There was that really wonderful song that um, faintly walked through our heads still on occasion. We're going, what was that song? Well, uh, we kind of help you with that show a little bit, I hope. Uh, a couple things to say about real quick. Uh, tonight at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, Mountain Standard Time. Thank you, Patricia Child, for uh, saying that I rock. And hello, Dean and Mike Lawson. Uh, tonight at 6 o'clock uh, Pacific Time, also Arizona Time. Let's put it like that. Uh, we'll be offering a free intro to our stand-up comedy workshop. It's absolutely free. Uh, there's no obligation at all. All you got to do is click on your phone and watch. Or click on your phone and listen. Uh, and we're going to lay out for one hour, lay out your entire program. It's a great thing to do if you're looking for new things to do. It's a great thing to do if you're thinking about being a stand-up comic. It's a great thing to do if you uh, are already in the public sphere and are looking to improve your ability to share uh, with your mouth. So, uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, just go to ComedySchools.com. Hello, Kevin Brown. Just go to ComedySchools.com. You talk like a radio DJ. Hey, everybody. Just go to ComedySchools.com right there, and you'll get your meet, Zoom codes and meeting meeting IDs and passwords. Tell them Rick D's sent you. Rick D's. Um, anyway, here we are. Uh, we build this show on free things. We build an interaction with you, the audience, as you leave questions and comments on the three aforementioned platforms. I share with you a uh, piece of memorabilia, um, uh, some knickknacks, some autographs, some memento to have laying around here in the home office. Hopefully to then either uh, shape a little story around it, based on my personal attachment to it, or uh, about the thing itself. And then we recommend uh, two pieces of music or artists based on my vast, vast uh, vinyl album collection. Let me say a couple things before we move forward. If you follow my Facebook page, just my personal page, Tony Visick. I have other pages, but that's the one that's most active. Uh, I would put up a lot of silly stuff, you know, uh, you know, if you've ever heard of the band Mungo Jerry, unfriend me now. I'm really, what I'm doing is I'm digging at the unfriend me now people. If you're going to do this, just unfriend me now. Like, you know, why do I have to take the action? You know, you're, this is your problem in life. You're too goddamn passive. You just gonna, people have to choose unfriend you. So I'm kind of making fun of that. I put up one today. I might actually get some unfriends over. <laughs> and all I said was, all I said, all I wrote on the little Facebook thing was, uh, you know that actress, Betty White? She never really did it for me. If you disagree, unfriend me now. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I may have actually uh, pissed the people off, and if I have, that just shows you uh, shows you the times they were living in. <laughs> I've always liked Betty White. I've never sat down and went, "Ooh, a Betty White show." Hold on, you know what? We're not going anywhere tonight. There's a Betty White marathon. I've never said that. I've never went. You know, you know what we need. I've never watched a show. But you know what this show needs? A little Betty White. I've always liked Betty White. She's always been around my whole life. She's been around my whole goddamn life. She's like 400 million years old. You know, my hat's off to her. I'm not going to take my hat off because I've been swimming my hair in mess. But uh, I've never been like, Betty White! You know why a lot of people like her? Because she's old. And we just think we're supposed to be nice to old people. I'm generally nice to old people, but I've known some old people in my life that were real pricks. So I'm just going to say that out front, okay? Um, Betty White is funny. She's very funny. I enjoy her work. It just, I never got all jacked up. And you know, keep in mind, at my age, I was a kid when Betty White was much younger and looked different than she does now. She's hot. Betty White. And now. And even then. <laughs> and even then, it wasn't really like, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, she first came in April. <laughs> How old is Betty White? <laughs> She's the godmother to Cain and Abel. I think that would be the joke. So, uh, if you like Betty White, I don't hate Betty White. It's just I've never gone, yeah, Betty White. That's all. But I like her. If she came by the house, I'd uh, fix her sandwich. You know, I, just, I don't know what she can eat. It's just so I can't eat when you do that, you know? I'd make her some soup. Probably. If Betty White was to come to my house right now, I'll make her soup. I won't even make Shirley do it. Shirley can sit there and chit-chat with her. What's it like being Betty White? How long have you been Betty White? Okay. Have you always been Betty White? Shirley can chit-chat with her, you know, show her some stuff, introduce her to the dogs, all that kind of shit. She can do all of that. And I'll oh, I'll open up a can of, uh, you know, Campbell's. Like, we got, don't we have soup downstairs? Some sort of soup. So I'm putting it out in the universe right now, just for you Betty White fans. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, maybe I can make the soup myself. It, it might, the thing with it is I could open her a can of soup and heat it up, okay, or I could make it myself. Now, if I make it myself, it would mean more, but it would taste like crap. Now, what do you think Betty White would rather have? Some pretty good tasted soup coming out of a can. Her taste buds might be gone. Yeah, she might not have any taste buds. She might eat it and go, this tastes like cardboard. It tastes like a, a little Caesar's pizza. All right, that's enough about Betty White, okay? <laughs> All right, uh, we base the show around three things. Talking to you, uh, knickknacks. Now, let me point out, uh, there's a, some controversy around this show. And the controversy is, does he or does he not collect bobbleheads? Now, I maintain that I don't. I am not a collector of bobbleheads. Do I have bobbleheads? Yes. Do I own bobbleheads? Yes. Do I like bobbleheads? Yes. Okay? Do I get a kick out of bobbleheads? Indeed I do. Do I have doubles of some bobbleheads? I suppose I do. But that doesn't mean I collect them. Okay? And I know, because I get your cards and letters, friends, friends, we get cards and letters, people send in here on a daily basis. We, we appreciate, we appreciate all your prayers to you for little Jimmy Dickens. You took ill right before the show last year. That some of you are sick. You're sick and tired of following. 
And you know what? I don't believe it. And I've really taken that to heart. And I went, you know, my regular loyal listeners and viewers and followers, okay, they're sick of all of this. Maybe I should do like Joe Rogan, have a bunch of people on, say a bunch of bizarre shit about, you know, if you take vitamin E, you'll actually grow six inches, or whatever shit he puts on, you know, when he's not busy trying to torment Ford Carlson and see you know. Joe Rogan's career went like this, okay? Kind of a good stand-up comic, got lucky, got cast on a show called News Radio, it was like the fifth wheel, it's like the goofy guy who comes in, says a couple lines and leaves. Alright? Kind of a rogue stand-up comic. Alright, then because he was into wrestling, he uh, uh, got to announce wrestling. And then he got lucky with one of those shows where he has people on that ate bugs and shit. That was his career. Here, eat this bug. I'm Joe Rogan. We're going to make people eat a bug. Alright? And then when that was all over, he decided to torment Carlos Mencia for a while. And now he has a podcast. Maybe I should force people to eat bugs and have people on to dispense stupid medical advice. I don't know. But I ain't gonna. So then the question is, even though a lot of my listeners knew, yeah, new fear factor. Fear factor. What I always feared is that when I flipped on my TV that that shit would be on, and then I have to put out extra energy to change the channel. Uh-huh. Question is, if I listen to you and I have, all that being said, here's another bubble. Are we sick and tired of people that have podcasts that are full of crap? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. There you go. Look at that, ladies and gentlemen. Who is this, ladies and gentlemen? Who is this? What is he standing in front of? Look, that's a pretty cool bobblehead. But, you know, because it's, it's got this thing he's standing in front of. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the man, the myth, the legend, Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson. One of the best players. One of the best players to ever play the game. Uh, Kurt Gibson helped bring the Detroit Tigers to the World Series in 1984. Kurt Gibson helped bring the Los Angeles Dodgers to the World Series in 1988. And uh, it's one of those legendary games where he came in at the end of the game as a pinch hitter and hit a walk-off home run. Whack. Okay, and he was pinch hitting because he was injured. And he couldn't play the field. Walked up, first pitch, home run, and hobbled around the bases. Just screaming, cheering, fans everywhere. And I remember it. I was in a comedy club, I want to say in Traverse City, Michigan. This was in uh, uh, the fall of 1988, and I was touring the country. I didn't even have a house. I mean, I could afford a house. I could afford an apartment. I could afford a rent. But in 1988, put all my stuff belongings and stories and took off across the country like a hobo, like a comedy hobo, uh, just telling jokes and playing the shining face. And uh, I remember watching the game, uh, and I was like, uh, I think it might have been Michigan, and that's one of the reasons why they were so damn happy, because they loved Kurt Gibson from his time on the Detroit Tigers. Um, he's also famous for being caught up in some sort of sex scandal, some girl who uh, sued some ball player, and his name got drug into it. And she talked about whenever Kurt Gibson came to town, they got together and got busy. And uh, she always picked chicken for him because, according to her, Kurt Gibson wasn't the, the uh, smartest guy in the world. I don't know if that's true or not. But that uh, he was very superstitious. And that uh, every day before a game, he ate chicken because he said there's tits in that chicken. And he believed that if he ate chicken before a game, that he uh, would get hit. 
and because a uh, man with uh, that sort of uh, uh, that sort of tele intelligence and wisdom, they made him the manager for a while of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Kurt Gibson, wild man, great player, okay, a man's man, a dude's dude, okay, kind of a funny guy. There he is, standing in the dugout as manager. Uh, what's the definition of collect? To gather and accumulate, this is from Randy uh, Ioma, to gather an accumulation of objects by definition, you are a collector of bobbleheads. I reject your term, Randy. First off, once again, Kirk Gibson, the manager, and it's a good bobblehead. It's solid. You can't get that little extra piece that makes it fun. So, Randy, I'm going to, here's the thing, Randy. If we can redefine what grooming means, because to me, grooming is something you do to a heart or a dog. Okay, I'm going to re redefine. I'm not a collector. I just have a bunch of. I just have a bunch of bobbleheads. They don't collect them. Okay, I'm not sitting here all night looking at them and looking them up, shining them up. Well, hey, be careful. You almost knocked up a bobblehead. Right? So, uh, I, you know what? I don't think we can have a debate here, uh, Randy, because I, um, I, I reject, I reject you, your, uh, your definition of terms. I reject it, sir. Uh, and we live in a time of um, linguistic relativism, and uh, we live in a time when plurals can be used as singular when describing an individual if they decide that those are the pronouns they want used to describe them. And I respect on that. I respect on that. Okay? But uh, if all that can happen, I can redefine collector to need someone who um, uh, actually plays with... I don't know. I, yeah, I'm going to think of a definition. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Tim says, everybody in town says you became a hobo. How the hell, Tim, <laughs> can they say I became a hobo? Oh, you're talking about the year I was on the road as a comic. <laughs> you know what? I think I would have liked being a hobo. You know, I would have liked to just you know, hitchhack around the country. You know, some sort of uh, permanent version of on the road, but... After a while, after a while, the man's got to settle down and put down the wrist. And by the way, uh, if you're from Missouri, it, that does not sound like an odd uh, pronunciation of the term roots. That's a stupid wrist. You know, Tim, I'd stayed a hobo my whole life, just riding the rails, playing the guitar, from old dog shit. Maybe a woman by my side, you know, woman getting away. Oh, you're there on the highway, you know, just cooking beans over a can of sterno, singing some old. Great dreams home. But a man's got to put down the ruts. Um, speaking of ruts, uh, roots, I've got uh, some root stuff here to share with you. Uh, you know, people change over time. People, kahenge. Can you pronounce it like that? Kahenge. Uh, change over time. Uh, I have, many of you have. Uh, the, uh, the, um, nefarious wild man, uh, later on becomes the uh, avuncular stage. Um, there you go. Look that shit up. Uh, people change over time. People find religion, lose religion. Some people find religion, have people to raise religious, lose religion, find a different religion to go back to the original religion. Such is the case with the bard, Bob Dylan. And this is a seldom used, but originally bought at the time it came out, copy of Bob Dylan's Slow Train. One of, the great, one of the greatest singers of a uh, of, of songs of a precursors to the apocalypse, Bob Dylan, Slow Train Coming is another one of them. 
even though this song was much maligned, when it came out in the late 70s, I think 79 or no, a little later than that, early 80s, when it came out, it really threw a lot of Dylan fans off, because a lot of Dylan fans were young, hedonistic, liberals, libertarians, uh, he was raised in the Jewish faith, he was held in high regard by other people who were raised in the Jewish faith or culture, and all of a sudden, he's a Christian. There's even imagery here, if you got the train coming, you see the guy with the pickaxe, and the pickaxe is actually like a crucifix. Almost like Jesus with a hat carrying a crucifix. So pretty cool artwork, even on the back, even though all it is is some telephone wires. I think I got a few guys here. We see the crucifix. So for a short period of time, Bob Dylan seemed to have converted to uh, the Christian faith. And decided to make a few bucks off it by putting out an album. <laughs> some good songs out here. Gotta serve somebody. You gotta serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the devil. Uh, Believe in You, Slow Train, which is a great song. Um, uh, when He Returns, very religious. Man Gave Names to All the Animals from uh, the book of Genesis. Uh, when You Gonna Wake Up, Do Unto Others. Do Right to Me, Baby, Do Unto Others. Gonna Change My Way of Thinking. So Dylan uh, is one of those artists who constantly and continues to reinvent himself. And what a lot of people forgot, especially when you're dealing with uh, the three major versions of Bob Dylan, which is the early young folk singing firebrand, uh, the creator, uh, you know, the, uh, the times they are changing, um, songs of that nature, to uh, the creator of folk rock, uh, play, plugging in an electric guitar to Newport Folk Festival and turning his poet, having his poetry accompanied now by electrified guitars, drums, and amps, um, exemplified in albums like, uh, like a Rolling Stone. Actually, four versions. Okay, fifth version is uh, mid-70s revival with a great, uh, great albums like Desire and Blood on the Track. All the way up to now when we've got this uh, almost living work of art that travels around the world, uh, demanding your attention as they decide to redefine their art in front of you. There's all those versions. The one we forget about is the brief flirtation with Christianity. And he put out an album uh, in honor of it. Slow Train Coming. And you know what? If you want to listen to a good uh, show, you want to listen to, uh, especially you got to serve somebody who's got like a little funny lick in it. You Nick Cummings. You Nick Cummings. You got There's somebody. Uh, and uh, Slow Train, which is a very cool song. Very cool. Very well put together. And the rest of the album, really, you're going to go, wow, man, the guy's become a, a Jesus freak. Jesus freaks are something that we called uh, our friends in the early 70s who uh, did a bunch of bad acid and then all of a sudden became Christians. Uh, I had friends personally that they had. Uh, and you know what? Maybe they're the better for it. I don't know. The next. The next album. Okay, once again, dealing with, you know, kind of like major players. Nothing, I'm not throwing anything in too bizarre today, anything too offbeat. Uh, but uh, here we've got, uh, it, it's a reissue of some sort, Joe Cocker. Now, we haven't talked about Joe Cocker a lot on the show. Uh, Joe Cocker is another one of those people who, um, when he was around, there were so many, uh, so many fascinating acts that Joe Cocker didn't necessarily get lost in the mix, but just kind of got dropped into the mix. Um, on this album, 
a bunch of cool versions. Uh, he wasn't a songwriter, okay, but he was a great interpreter of songs. Bye Bye Blackbird, uh, like an old Tin Pan Alley song. I Shall Be Released, uh, Dylan's song, That's Your Business. Uh, Bird on a Wire, Leonard Cohen's song, Just Like a Woman, another Dylan song. Uh, Sandpaper Cadillac, I'm not familiar with. Dear Landlord, uh, Something, a Beatles tune. Changing Louise, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, originally made a big hit by uh, uh, Eric Burton, The Animals. Laudy Miss Claudie, which uh, a lot of people like, kind of a simplistic song. And of course, one that uh, was massive for him, uh, that launched him into stardom, by the way, when he did it at uh, the Woodstock Music Festival, uh, with a little help from my friends. So, uh, a stunning singer. Uh, a couple things about him. Uh, one of the most important people in Joe Cocker's career was Leon Russell. Some say without Leon Russell, the Bendo Joe Cocker, as he got hired as a piano player for a tour, for a Joe Cocker tour, and then I think he, I think Leon insisted, or sometimes wheedled it in, that he could put together the band along with singers and horns and everything, and just created this incredible rhythm and blues uh, with a hot horn section band behind Joe Cocker that made Joe Cocker sound fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, there was an album and a movie made about it called Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Uh, and it's also, as Leon Russell, he had to come to the forefront being a session player, arranger, writer, uh, 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 you know, uh, kind of a, a behind-the-scenes guy, all, right? um, all the way up to uh, stardom, which lasted for him for quite some time. Uh, Joe Cocker um, moved weird. He moved oddly. He moved like this when he sang. And, almost, and so no one was indecent enough to go, what is that uh, You just kind of kept it to yourself, but obviously go, something's wrong with that. He did like that. Um, in, but finally, someone did, and uh, famously or infamously, uh, John Belushi, the um, comic genius on the original version of Saturday Night Live, uh, and uh, if you want to know where great comics come from, read about his life and his activities and go, oh, okay. Right? Joe Co uh, John Belushi wouldn't last an hour in today's woke culture or in here in Campbell Land. That being said, did a drop-dead perfect imitation of Joe Cocker. And one night on Saturday Night Live, when Joe Cocker was a musical guest, while he was singing, unbeknownst to Joe Cocker, not knowing what was going to happen, out came John Belushi doing his impersonation right next to Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker played along, but it became one of the, uh, for the uh, classic rock boomer generation, one of the classic pieces of comedy where uh, the imitation is almost more perfect than the artist themselves. Um, Joe Cocker later explained that um, he didn't think he moved weird. He did not think he moved weird. He thought that it just looked cool the way he was moving. You know, you're talking about a poor, poor, uh, from a poor working class family somewhere in England, okay, who uh, didn't really spend a lot of time watching himself, not a narcissist at all, you know, uh, bad dresser, okay, but you could be a bad dresser while in the 60s, you wear a tie-dye shirt, striped blue jeans and everything, that was normal, but then by, you know, the early 70s, you're still doing it, you go, eh, guys, that's some sort of dysfunction, and uh, he never thought the way that he moved was um, weird. Okay. His career lasted quite some time, too. Well into the 80s, uh, songs like uh, You Can Leave Your Hat On. Uh, not somebody who's always in the forefront. When we dig back into the echoes of our minds, 
and think about the artists that we love from uh, the 60s, 70s, uh, into the 80s, you know, people who lasted a long time. Uh, not one of them that's to the forefront, but one that you might want to go back and revisit, listen to his version of something, and listen to his version of, uh, with a little help from my friends, and tell me those aren't stunning, epic, wonderful tunes that may not make you get up and dance, but move you inside in ways you can't describe. Okay, hey, that's it. I'm going to take a break now. Uh, why am I taking a break? I'm actually, for me, it's taking a break. Because I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back at 6 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time, Arizona Time, Pacific Time, with a free intro to my stand-up comedy workshop. No obligation to your part. Just tune in. Go to ComedySchools.com. Get the link or get the uh, uh, password and uh, the meeting code. And uh, listen to give my spiel. Okay? The spiel that has helped people go all the way from listening to that spiel to national television. Some people just like to pop in and listen to it. All right, that's it. We're wrapping it up. I'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. with more thrilling stories from yesteryear. Tiddle it. Tiddle it. Tiddle it.